Here comes the 2-2 to Orlando. Swing and a miss. Orlando down on strikes, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros pick up their ninth consecutive win as they defeat the Kansas City Royals tonight by a final of 7-3. Astros are 8-0 on this road trip. This is another Astros podcast. Gaddis tugs at his right pant leg as he steps back in, taps the plate with the end of the bat, points it out toward the pitcher, Junis. Now ready, the 2-2. And Gaddis hits it in the air pretty deep to left center field, going back on it as Almonte at the wall. See you later! A grand slam for Evan Gaddis. And the Astros take the lead. Astros now up 6-3. He gets to take the slow jog for the second time in his career, clearing the bases. Evan Gaddis, what a big blow, what a big road trip. Welcome back, Robert Ford, joined by Jeff Albert, Astros assistant hitting coach. And we've seen the Astros really pick it up offensively. It seems like everybody's starting to to click around the same time, really the first time we've seen the the offense uh, swing the bats and, and post up runs and bunches like we've been been seeing lately. Is there anything in particular that you're noticing or anything that's different from maybe earlier in the year? No, I think guys have just been, you know, sticking to uh, what they've been trying to do all along, get good pitches to hit, um, drive the ball. Uh, so I think it's just a case where kind of a handful of guys have got it going together at the same time. You know, Marwin's got it going a little bit. this wraps this one pretty deep to right center field. Merrifield is going back. He'll have to play that off the base of the wall. Gaddis around third and coming home. He scores. Gonzalez in the second with an RBI double to make it 7-3 to three Astros. Back-to-back doubles for the Astros. Um, you know, Evan uh, has been swinging the bat really well. So when you add that to, um, you know, some of the guys that we have at the top of the lineup and the lineup gets deeper, um, you know, we can put them runs on the board. You know, you mentioned Marwin and, and Evan Gaddis, two guys who've really picked it up of late. And I know, you know, talking with Evan, he talks a lot about pitch selection and, and, and really, really improving that. I think sometimes people think that when hitters are struggling, it's about mechanics. But a lot of times, is, is, it, is it about pitch selection? Well, yeah, I mean, guys always are, are working on one thing or another with their mm-hmm. swing and trying to be consistent there. But whatever t- swing they're bringing to the park on that day, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it still comes down in the game uh, to getting a good pitch to hit, a pitch they can drive, and, and being consistent there. So uh, that's definitely priority number one on a day-to-day basis. Now, your first year here with the Big League Club, of course, you were in the minor league system. You were a co- coordinator the last few years. Have you noticed, how, how much have you noticed the difference in terms of just the amount of information there is about pitchers you're going to face compared to what you were accustomed to just coming up through the minors? Informa- I mean, there's some more information, but it's really not too much different. I think our, our players are, are used to um, or, or get used to the information or the type of information they're going to see at this level as they come up through their career. Um, but I think more than ever, that speaks to what we're talking about with the basic idea of, you know, stay in the middle of strike zone, getting a good pitch to hit because mm-hmm. it's easy to get off on this guy's slider does this or he throws this sinker down and in or mm-hmm. And uh, so it's easy to kind of chase around the idea of what the pitcher's strength is or what the pitcher's trying to do as opposed to really try to stick to our strengths as a group of hitters. And it's, it's got to be somewhat individualized, right? Because I'm, I'm sure some guys, it really, taking in all that information really helps them a lot, whereas other guys maybe kind of have to pick and choose a little bit. It is, uh, and it isn't. I mean, almost everybody is better when they're getting good pitches in the middle of the zone somewhere as opposed yeah. to uh, the edges of the zone. Um, so, you know, some guys handle the high pitch better, the low pitch better, or whatever. 
Um, but, you know, I think uh, figuring out that mix is what we're all trying to do, communicating as a coaching staff and with the players is here's the general idea, the most important things we're trying to do on a day-to-day basis. And then, um, you know, these guys as a group uh, and individually are pretty smart about matching up uh, or you know, the idea of like what their strengths are as a hitter and using that combined with their plan about what they think the pitcher is going to do and trying to figure out what's the best approach for them for that night against that pitcher. Now, of course, we've seen the shifting just increase. It's filtered down into the minor league levels too, as I'm sure you know. Do you think there's going to start to be a transition in terms of evaluating players and, and what's taught to hitters in, in the minor league level and, and collegiately and in the amateur level about using more of the whole field to maybe counteract some of these shifts? It's not just a shift. I mean, it's the, the shift, the, um, what pitchers are able to kind of figure out with all the information that's available, mm-hmm. the pitch usage and, and things like that that are changing from starters or levers um, all over the league. So I think all of it is just going to push towards uh, a more complete skill set for the hitter. It's just going to be harder and harder to be uh, one-dimensional, and I think that's a big strength of our lineup as we have guys that can do a lot of different things. Jeff Albert, Astros assistant hitting coach, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, thanks. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch after this. The Houston Astros Radio Network. 3-1. And Springer drills this one pretty deep to left center field, and you can kiss that one goodbye. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks. This is big boy baseball. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Taylor Rome is a beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, writes for the Astros, and has been following the team all year, full-time basis this year. Uh, Chandler, thanks for joining me today. How's it going so far? tired and the grind is real but you know it's going well all right this team nine games in a row there's a lot of stories for you to to cover right now none more so than Evan Gaddis right now he's on one of the best tears we've seen offensively in a long time what do you see and what is he like when you guys talk to him after a game right now he wants to stay in his routine he doesn't want to it's almost like he doesn't want to jinx anything you know he he I asked him last night do you allow yourself to sort of reflect on the streak you're on just given the grind of the season and he said you have to you have to embrace the ups because there's so many downs in this game and you can get so frustrated in this game and and Evan is is really embracing this streak he's on right now you're seeing him at the beginning of the season AJ Hinch was saying that he was missing the pitches he customarily crushes. Well, now you're seeing him just crush the pitches he usually crushes and then some. You know, yeah. it seems like no matter where they throw uh, the ball right now to Gaddis, he's crushing it. He, he hit a high elevated away fastball yesterday for a home run. He's hitting the balls at tail inside on him. Um, he's doing it all right now. and He's in a groove that I don't think, unlike any we've seen um, by an Astros player this year. You guys are around A.J. Hench a lot. You and Brian McTaggart and Jay Kaplan, and you're around him on a daily basis. And it strikes me as he's very loyal to some of the guys because he's got their back. And I'm thinking of Evan Gaddis, who had a slow start. Tony Sipp, who's coming off a subpar year from the last two seasons, really. Sipp has stranded all nine runners he's inherited this year. Now the 0-2 to Moustakis. Swing and a miss. Waves out a slider off the plate away. And Tony Sipp picks up the strikeout one away. And we can talk about this more and more about Tony Sipp. That's two for 28 lefties now. And it's making them look so bad. Good hitters 
looking very uncomfortable with Sip on the mound. Tony Sip starting to come around now. And the other is uh, Jake Marisnik, who's starting to swing the bat a little bit better right now. Where does that come from? When you are around A.J. Hench, where does that come from? I, I think he, he wants to give these guys every opportunity. I, I think baseball is such a grind, and it's a 162-game season, and there can be such knee-jerk reactions of, of this needs to happen now because of four bad at-bats or eight bad plate appearances. And A.J. Hench, he, he likes to give these guys an opportunity to work it out. Now, that's not to say that he, he's not cognizant of what needs to improve. I mean, he, he came out and said on the road trip in Oakland this past week that Jake Marisnik does need to improve making contact. He's got to put the bat on the ball because his defense is elite. His base running is elite, but he, he's got to make contact to improve. First pitch to Marisnik, and that's drilled deep to left field. It sends back Hanna at the wall looking up. See you later. Jake Marisnik, a two-run homer, and the Astros lead it 13-5. to Marisnik goes yard for the fifth time this year. There's not just a blind eye toward what's going wrong. I think that that's very important to discern. A.J. Hinch is, is very cognizant of maybe the shortcomings some of these guys have, but he's also loyal and cognizant that they can overcome them. And we've seen Evan Gaddis do it. We've seen Tony Sipp now. Tony Sipp is throwing the ball probably as best as he has since maybe 2015. That's right. um, you know, his splitter and his, his slider are really, really good. He, he's he's kind of found both of those pitches back after going away from them in 16 and 17. You saw him last night against Mike Moustakis um, and Salvador Perez, both both guys really good hitters that he made look pretty foolish. Let me ask you about covering a player of Justin Verlander's status. What is that like? I mean, for you guys, is that intimidating for a young guy like you? I don't know about intimidating. I think Justin Verl- I think Justin makes it a, a little bit easier. I mean, he's very candid and very frank after his starts. Um, he, he doesn't carry himself with maybe the bravado and maybe the, the, the stature that you would think he, a guy of his stature does. Um, you know, I, I think you – but you can see, though, when you're in the clubhouse, and this is not something all fans are privy to, but you can see in the clubhouse that Justin Verlander commands the respect and commands sort of the temperature of that clubhouse. It's almost like when he walks in, everybody, you know, maybe shapes up a little bit and changes. And that doesn't mean that he's ruling with an iron fist or anything. He likes to have fun. He's in the middle of the card games. He's in the middle of making jokes. And he, he is the guy that this clubhouse is really anchored around. And I think, you know, the guys, the younger guys in this clubhouse, the more inexperienced guys in this clubhouse, they look to Verlander as the guy that sort of sets the tone and takes the temperature of that place. As beat writers that cover the team on a daily basis, give me three guys that you appreciate that are always stand up. They're in their locker. uh, And even when things are going bad, they're going to they're going to answer to you. The, the good thing about this club is there's a lot. I probably couldn't just name three. Um, Tony Kemp, who's up right now, is probably one of the better interviews that I've encountered. Um, you know, I'm glad to see him doing well, obviously, because he gives such great insight after games. But if you look up and down this club, there we, we marvel at it all the time, all these national writers. When they come to cover a series or something, they'll come up to Brian McTaggart, Jay Kaplan, and I, and they'll sort of be amazed. And they're like, is the clubhouse like this all the time? And we'll say, yeah, I mean, this is, this is how it is normally. And it's a group of 25 guys that, you know, there's not really a standoffish guy in the bunch. I think up and down this club, you know, starting with Jose Altuve, who will talk after a 5-for-5 night or an 0-for-5 night. You've seen Dallas Keuchel, who who has struggled these last few starts. He's stood up at his locker, taken every question. He was obviously frustrated in Arlington his last start, but took every question, answered it, you know, was stand-up about it. And that's sort of the status quo for this team. There's not a guy that you you sort of fear going up to, or there's not a guy that you sort of wonder how he's going to handle the questions you ask him. All right, that's Chandler Rome from the Houston Chronicle. Thanks for catching up. All right, thanks, Steve. The Houston Astros Radio Network. That 
ball is gone. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford. And you can kiss it goodbye. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.